Well, I just thank you this morning, Pastor James, for allowing me to minister the heart of God this morning. You awake? They're just getting the sound adjusted. We've changed the plans. It's important that we are fluid, amen? So, this morning, are we good? So for over three decades now, I can say that I have been serving in the house of the Lord, joyfully, gratefully, amen. And as I'm getting ready to turn 50 in not too many years from now, thank you. I'm just kidding. If you've been there or you're where I'm at, you do, you, you tend to kind of look back and you just kind of say, okay, God, is this where I'm supposed to be, right? Am I where you uh, envisioned or, or, or uh, wanted me to be here in this stage of my life? Am I on the right track? And in doing that, it gave me an opportunity to kind of reflect in my time serving in church, local church, but also to reflect kind of at the global church, right? And some things that maybe personally I've done right or I've done wrong or things like that And this, as we kind of look back. And I felt like in doing that, God said that there are a lot of things in the global church, you know what I mean when I say global church? I don't mean just Hope City, but I mean the church of God as a whole, that we've done a lot of things right and we've done a lot of things wrong. I mean, we are people, right? People make mistakes. But there's one thing that I feel like as a global church that we've done very well at, we've we've done good at, and that is ministering to the broken. How many of you can say, you know what, there was a season in my life where I just was like broken, like broken, broken, right? Like I didn't, I don't even look like a human broken, okay? As a global church, I felt like we've done good at ministering to the brokenness in people. We've had good word. We've had a lot of beautiful songs written about how God restores the brokenhearted, right? Beautiful lyrics. So I I have felt like we've got that down, And like a lot of you uh, this morning said, yep, that was me. I found myself in a season of that. I can attest to that. There's probably more of you that say, you know what? I can't really identify with brokenness. But this morning, I want to talk to you about something that I feel like all of us have dealt with. And maybe you've not been to the point of being broken this morning. But you have been to the point to where you are out of order. Everyone say out of order. How many of you have ever gone up to a vending machine, right? Got your money in your pocket. Man, I'm thirsty. Like literally, I'm thirsty. Mike, do we have water? Okay. (laughs) Man, I'm thirsty. There's a vending machine. The lights are on. It's buzzing, right? Get my money out only to walk up to it to realize there's this little small sticker on it that says, out of order, right? It's on, it's buzzing, 
There's product inside of there that would taste good to me right about now. But the sign says it's out of order. So if I put anything into it, I'm not going to get out what I expect. It's functioning to a degree, but I'm not going to get out of it what I want it to deliver to me. Something is off. Something's just not quite right. And what I've realized in church is that we've come to church a lot in our Sunday best and our Sunday smiles. But for many of us, if we get closer to the machinery of our lives, if we get close enough to really examine our hearts, we would find that our marriages and our businesses or maybe our finances or relationships, even though they look like they're functioning, they're on, they're out of order. There's something not quite right in certain areas of our lives. Something that's out of alignment. And this morning, if we can just get the heart of God this morning about putting things back in order in our lives, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that it will change the trajectory of your life. Amen? How many of us want to make sure the trajectory of our life is full speed ahead to where God has designed and destined for us to go? Amen? Many of us are functioning, but we're not flourishing. Many of us are on, but we're a little off. Maybe we're surviving, but we're certainly not thriving. And this morning, God wants to put what's out of order back in order. And I want to illustrate this to you today with this little illustration of what that might look like. Now, bear with me here as I'm going to put the mic down. For many of us, or for all of us actually, this represents our life, right? We, every morning we get up, we put our life on, right? Our job, our finances, our kids, our marriage. We get up and we do life. We put it on. Looks good, right? But can I tell you that a lot of us, this, give me a second here, it's This, if we were honest, though, when we put our life on, this is really what it looks like, right? You get the picture, right? It's on. My life's on. I got it on. But something's not quite right. I mean, if I went outside, it would kind of, it would keep me warm, right? I might not feel all the elements. But something's just not quite right. It's out of alignment, and this is what our lives can look like. It's on, but it's off. All right? Maybe from the back it looks good, but when I turn around, not so good, right? I just want that to be an illustration to you this morning of how our top button, when we're putting our clothes on and our coats on, it's important what our top button is aligned to, amen? If we don't get this top button right, Nothing else lines up. Nothing else falls into place. Nothing else is functioning like it's supposed to function, amen? So that's a visual representation of what, an, what out of order looks like in our lives. And this morning, my prayer is that we leave here this morning with some ammunition 
that we're not going to get up and we're not going to put our lives on in that way anymore. Amen. Okay. <laughs> Holy Spirit. Come on now. Get this up. All right. Here we go. It matters what's in that top button. It matters what we put first and foremost in our lives. So this morning, I don't have five tips to take home that's just going to like change your whole life upside down because I don't live your life. I don't know what kind of tips you need this morning. But what I do have is I feel like I have some principles from the heart of God that this morning, if you would put them into practice in your life, it'll change. Everything will change and it will come into alignment. We have to put, we have in the past as a church, we've put all the wrong things at the top. We've put all the wrong things as priority. If success is your top button, then stress, I hate to say it is a guarantee. If that's your top button is success, stress is going to be a guarantee in your life. If people pleasing is your top button, then exhaustion, come on, I've been there, is in your future. Trying to please everybody. Exhaustion is in your future. Which why for so many of us, our life can look like grind and not grace. How many of you know our life is called, we're called to, to represent the Jesus in us. And Jesus is grace, amen? My life should speak and overflow with grace. We're not called to have a world that looks like the world around us. We're called to have an inner world and an outer world that reflects the God within us. In fact, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, which I feel is like one of my life scriptures and the message, it reads this way. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it, Jesus says. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. In other words, when we do life God's way, there is a grace. Amen? Even when it's difficult, there's a grace. Even when it's a testing season, there is a grace. God can hold it all together if we prioritize our world the way that he wants us to. It fascinates me that when we read scripture, we're a model, our, our lives are to model that of Jesus, right? When we look at scripture, I don't see anywhere in scripture where Jesus was like, oh man, I am so stressed out. My schedule is something else. I had to rearrange my schedule. I can't make it to heal the lepers because my meetings this morning ran over and I've just had to like rearrange and you know, guys, you're just gonna have to wait. I've gotta come over here. I've gotta collect myself. I've just gotta, I, I don't see anywhere in scripture where Jesus is just like stressed out. Do you? I don't. I don't see it. 
I mean, and he had a big job to do, church. He was the savior of the world. He is the savior of the world. I mean, his job, he got up in the morning. His job was way more complicated than yours or mine are. And so if he can walk out his job in the morning and get up and say, as the savior of the world, right? He wasn't stressed. And I think that speaks, I know that it speaks volumes to how we as, as a people of God and as a church should walk around in our everyday life. I won't be stressed. There's a, I'm, too, I'm too blessed to be stressed. It's a thing. And it takes work. But this morning, one of the first principles that I want to give you, and I'm going to call them kind of top button principles, if you will, the things that we want to make sure in our lives that we have um, right so everything else can fall into alignment. The first one is this. Mission must be more important than position. Mission must be more important than position. We live in a world where everybody is chasing a title, a badge, or they want a position, or they find their importance or worth in some sort of status. But like I said, our world is not supposed to look like that of the world. Amen? We're called to something far greater than a temporary position. We're called to a life that serves an eternal mission. Amen? And so when we get those things mixed up, position and mission, we're putting ourselves in a place of striving. What's your top button? Mission or position? Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the what? Kingdom. Doesn't say seek first that big promotion. Doesn't say seek first your marriage. It doesn't. It says seek ye first the kingdom, top button principle. And then it says everything else. If you seek the kingdom first, what happens? Everything else will find its place. Top button principle. What's your mission? Seek first the kingdom. And everything else will be added unto you. I could have some volunteers. Where are they at? Oh, there they are. Come on up. You can just kind of stand over here. Yep, I am that kind of preacher. I like visual, right? When I was, I'd have to say, about 15 years old, I was raised in the church, seeing a lot of ministry, and when I was about 15 years old, I really, God really showed me something in this story that I've heard hundreds of times in Sunday school or youth group. What? Okay. This is my family, so if I'm a little rough, that's okay. That's okay, right? Get it right. So being 15 and hearing this story, I felt God spoke to me at that time and he, and he showed me what my mission, not position, mission. And if, if you get your Bibles out or if you have them or just write it down and when you get home, look, read Exodus 17. It says this. Here's the story. As long as Moses held up the staff. Let me go back. We find in, in that chapter. 
the Israelite army is, they're at battle. They're in war. Joshua, he's in the, the front lines of the battle, right? He's slinging the sword around. He's got the shiny armor on. We find Joshua front lines of the battle. Up on the hillside, we see Moses with Aaron and Hur. They're not in the front lines of the battle, but we read that they have a very integral part of the story. And in that, while Joshua's on the ground and he's, he's fighting the, the, the Amalekite army, and I'm reading the story, and you know, when you open up the book of Joshua and it says, the first, I mean, chapter, it's, don't be afraid, be courageous, don't be afraid, be courageous, you know? I really, okay, yeah, I love Joshua. So when I'm reading this story, and I'm in a moment of, God, where, what is my mission? Oh, I see. You want me to be Joshua. Got it. Front lines, slinging the sword, right? Shiny armor. Taking down all the enemy, right? God says, no. It's not where I want you. I wasn't too happy, you know. Okay, God. Well, wait, there's somebody else in the story. There's this Moses. And it says that as long as Moses up on the hill, while Joshua's fighting the battle, as long as Moses is, 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 has his arms held up in, in the air, and he's holding the staff of the Lord, and for as long as his arms are in the air, they're winning the battle. Okay, God, I get it. I get it. I'm not Joshua. I'm Moses, right? Carrying the staff of the Lord, working many miracles, overseeing the, the, your people, right? So much, I mean, you know, my hands are raised. They're winning the battle. So much power, position. Nope. That's not where I want you either. Okay, God. There's only two other people in this story here. And it says that as long as Moses' arms were held up, the Israelites were winning the battle. His arms were tired. So Aaron and Hur, come on over here. Hold up the arms of Moses. Because as long as his arms are in the air, they're winning. Okay, so what, what are you saying? I'm not Joshua. I'm not Moses. Are you saying I'm nothing more than like a glorified armpit holder? I mean, is that what you're saying? God, really, am I hearing you correct? I'm 15. Maybe I'm hearing wrong. Yes, that's what I've called you to be. That's your mission. It's not about position, Jen. It's about your mission. And if it means being a glorified armpit holder, then that's your mission. Amen? You can have a seat. Thank you. Give him a... We practiced all night and all morning to get it right. You see, the victory had nothing to do with Joshua. They won because of the position of Moses' arms. I mean, and this is a hot day, I'm sure. They didn't have deodorant. I'm just thinking of the position God's called me to, or not or the mission he's called me to. Because it certainly ain't about position, right? 
I don't sign up for that guy. I don't sign up for that job. But listen, if they would not have stuck to the mission, hold up his arms so they can win the battle. And it doesn't matter what downwind smells like. Stick to the mission, right? Their job was that integral that if they did not stick to the mission, the battle would have been lost, amen? So it had nothing really to do with Joshua. It had nothing to do with Holy Moses. It had to do with the two that held up the arms so that they could win the battle. And that's when I said, okay, God, you've called me to a ministry of holding up the arms and supporting those that you've called in ministry. Okay. If I never get to hold a microphone, okay. But I will be on mission. And let me tell you, out of the, the, the three decades or so that I can look back, as a young child, and you can attest to that. How many, I've been in children's ministry. I've cleaned, I've cleaned the church. I've done it. I'm okay with that. I support. I'm there for that. Has God used me in other areas to minister? Of course. It's icing on the cake. But if I don't ever hold a microphone another day in my life, my heart is of, of ministry and my mission is of service. Amen? It's not about position. And this morning, I, 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 I implore you that if you look, if you're looking at your top button and you're saying, man, I am too worried about position in life. I'm just too worried about what that looks like. Who, who can I influence today? I want to be an influencer. What are you influencing? Right? Come on. That's so why David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than find myself in an environment outside of, your, of the mission. I'm okay with that, God, as long as I'm on mission. I'm in mission. I'm doing what you've called me to do. Amen? Top button and everything else will come into alignment. In Matthew 20, we find a story about a woman. And she says to Jesus, hey, Jesus. Two of my sons are your disciples. I want, can you, like, I have a, a request. And he says, what do you want? Can you put one on, like, your right hand and one on your left-hand side when you set up your kingdom? I want them in position. I want them with a bird's-eye view of what's going to happen here. Be careful, parents, where we push our kids to, amen? Because you know what Jesus' response was? You don't even know what you're asking. You don't know what you're asking. Position. Let's not be people that are position-minded this morning. When did it come, become about position or status? When did it become what flatters most instead of what matters most? And number two, principle number two, choose your motivation over expectation. Choose your motivation over expectation. So many of us are placing the expectations of others or the expectations that we have of a certain situation as top button in our life. In other words, yep, pastor, I'll serve here if you do this, right? 
I'll give over here if my money does this. Come on. Expectation. Is that your top button? I'll love you as long as I can expect that you're going to love me back. Scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Come on, we've heard that before. And what we've done in the church is we've made what God asked to be sacrificial, transactional. What are you going to do for me if I do this? God, you know, these kids, I've, and I've said this to God, so I can say this. I raised my kids. I'm an empty nester. I don't want to go on a Sunday morning and spend an hour and a half with these kids. Come on. Right? I expect when my kids are out of the house, I don't have to do kids at church anymore. Right? Come on. I'm just being honest. I've had this conversation with God. That's transactional. That's not top button. How many times in the Bible have we seen Jesus heal people? The 10 lepers. He healed the 10 lepers and he didn't heal them. I don't read this happening or a conversation where he says, now wait. Okay, there's 10 guys. They need my healing or they need healed, right? I'm expecting one of them is going to come back and they're going to say thank you. That's the only reason I'm going to do it. He didn't know that, Right? It doesn't say that he healed them because he knew one was going to come back and say thank you. He would have, he, he, he healed them regardless if one came back. It wasn't about, about expectation. For Jesus, it was about a motivation of love. They, were, they needed something. Something was out of order. So out of my motivation of love, not because I expected them to do anything for me. He laid down his life for us, not expecting what's Jen going to do for me on a Sunday morning. Come on, think about it. He didn't lay down his life because he was expecting any of us to do anything. He did it out of a motivation of love. Can you get that this morning? Is that your top button principle? Are you doing things because you're in an expectation mode or are you doing them because, you know what, that's just going to be the motivation of my heart is to love. I love God. So guess what? Whether I'm empty nesting or not, I will come into the house of the Lord on my scheduled Sunday and I will serve to the best of my ability, whether it's down in the children's ministry or it's up here on, on stage. It's not about, because let me tell you, it's not about coming up here and how many amens am I going to get today? Most of the time it's none. I'm just, I'm just saying how many pats on the back are we going to get this morning because we're, we won't bring a word? Right? It's about the motivations of our heart. In Matthew 22, we see the Pharisees, they ask Jesus. And they're trying to trip him up and they say, hey, Jesus, what's, what's the top button? Right? And Jesus says, I'll tell you what the top button is. It's love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Jesus had it right. 
What's your top button, Jesus? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. It's a motivation of love. People-pleasing in this generation has become a top button. Even Jesus didn't please his friends. How do we know this? Well, look at Lazarus. Jesus had been in Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house many a times. They cooked for him, cleaned for him. He stayed there when he was in town. So Jesus is away on mission in the ministry of love. And guess what? Lazarus is sick. Jesus, we need you back here, please. Your friend Lazarus is sick. Come on. We expect, right? We expect. Drop what you're doing. We need you now. Was he moved by their expectation to come and do for me now? We need something today, now. If you don't come, he's going to die. Was he moved? Oh, man, I got to go. See you guys. I'm out. Drop the mic. Take off because he was expected No, in fact, he was so moved by compassion in the mission that he was in, that he was doing in the moment that he actually stayed two extra days where he was. He didn't go, he didn't go to see Lazarus. Yep, he died. There was a mission for that, but he didn't run because of people's expectations. That's what I'm trying to get to you this morning. He didn't run because there was an expectation of to do something for me. I'm in ministry, I'm on mission. He stayed and with his, the motivation of that, finished the ministry and went and took care of the situation. We just have to have a motivation of love. Luke 6, 31 says this, if you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back? Run of the mill sinners do that, ouch. If you only help those who help you, do you expect a medal? Garden variety sinners do that. If you only give for what people, or give for what you hope to get out of it, do you think that's charity? The stingiest of pawnbreakers do that, or pawnbrokers do that. When did we move so far from being that our motivation is love to our motivation being to care? Because he first cared and loved us. Amen? So if you want to get your top button back in your marriage this morning, let your motivation be love. If you want to get your top button back in your finances, let your motivation be to give And let's let our expectations come way lower on the list than our motivations. Amen. And finally, number three, team, you can come up. Choose legacy over temporary. Legacy over temporary. And I will try not to cry. Look, you got this. You got the pouty lip too. Oh, okay. Legacy. 
must always be more important than what is temporary. And this morning, I can honestly say that I stand here in a church that understands that. Your leadership understands that legacy is more important than temporary. We live in a world that's just become so temporary, has a temporary mindset. Look, I like Wayfair, right? You know Wayfair, Ikea, I mean, I don't know, rent a center, I'm just, whatever, okay. They got furniture, whatever, Walmart, okay. If you need something in a temporary season, you go to Walmart or you go to Wayfair or you go to Ikea, right? Because it's affordable. I need it. I need it now. I'm in a temporary season. Maybe I need to furnish a nursery or it's the holidays and I got some special family coming, so I need to dress up this little area over here. But can I tell you, you're not going to hand down your... Wayfair or Ikea furniture to your next generation. It's temporary. It's meant for a season. But if I want a piece of furniture that I want to hand down and then it's going to last for generations and generations to my grandchildren, they're going, oh, Grammy, this was Grammy's 100 years ago. I'm not going to go to Ikea and get that. I'm just not. But what I will do is when I'm not in a season of temporary, and that is my mindset, is legacy, it's going to cost me something. Come on. It's not going to be cheap. It's not going to be quick. It's going to cost me. I might have to save up for it. I have to take care of it. Right? When did we make temporary top button in our lives? We come to church if it pleases us. We invest in if it benefits me. We'll serve at the events we like, but not at the ones we don't like. Temporary. I'll come on a Sunday morning when I need a touch. But man, I'm feeling good today. I'm just going to stay in bed. Temporary. Come on, people. He's not called us to have a mindset of temporary. Temporary comes and goes. It's legacy that speaks and it stays and it speaks into generations and to generations that aren't here today. Amen. When we came and looked at this, for those of you that don't know or you do know, this building in the basement housed, um, my brother was uh, in ministry, housed uh, Freedom Life for a season. God called him further into ministry. And so my mom stayed. She, she didn't stay because she had even dozens of people. I'm just gonna say she didn't stay because she even had dozens of people here. She stayed because she had a heart for people. She wasn't getting a paycheck. It had nothing to do with that. It was a heart for the people. And I'll never forget that the church, she, the church was just still in the basement here. This whole facility was something else at the time. 
and we'd come in, we'd come in this door here and just kind of all funnel down downstairs to church, two little classrooms down there and funnel back up and that was, that was it. There was so much other potential on the property. And I'll never forget, her and I were in the lobby one day and there was a lock. This door was always locked because it was being used for storage. I had a do not enter sign on the door. But she'd look through the crack of the door. And she'd say, Jenny, look at the space. Look at the space. Look what God could do in there. And we'd peer through the crack of the door. She prayed. She had faith. She wasn't okay to be just in the basement. That might have been her where she was in the moment, right? But she wasn't temporarily, that wasn't her mindset. Oh, this is all I got, whatever it is, what it is. She's seen legacy. She's seen into the future something that could, that had a potential to touch the lives of people on a greater scale than what her current situation was. And she would peer and just visualize. And we talk about what it would look like. So you sit here this morning and I stand on a stage this morning to speak legacy from a woman who looked through the crack of that door and seen more than a temporary season. She gave more. She prayed for more. So this morning, don't fill your life with just Ikea furniture. Yeah, because it's good for the moment. But think legacy. Grandparents, what are you teaching your grandchildren? Yep, my kids are out of the house. I love on them and I send them home. That's great. But there's so much. That's temporary, by the way. There's so much more. I need to instill legacy in my grandchildren. Do you understand that? When we give on a Sunday morning, yes, it keeps the electric on and it, and it pays your pastor. But it also gives, it goes into ministries that we do for those that don't congregate here on a Sunday morning. It's about legacy. You're giving into lives of people who aren't even here yet. It's investing into the future. You can stand at your feet. The heroes of faith. It says in the Bible that they didn't get to see on this side of heaven. But they sit on in a cloud of witnesses this morning and they can see, you know what, man, I handed that baton off and they ran with it. Right? They, they ran with it. this morning I pray that this message encourages you it, it should encourage you 
look at your life. What are your, what's your top button? What's your, what's that look like? I'll be honest. Some days mine's real messed up. Microphone or no microphone, I'm just being transparent. We're human people, right? What's my, what's my top button this morning? Every day, what's my top button? We shouldn't be a people that are stressed out. We need to be a people that are mission-minded and not position-minded. We need to be a people that are motivated by love and not motivated by what will I get out of this deal. And let us be a people that are legacy-minded. And it's not about me or it's not about you. It's about those that aren't even in the room yet today. So this morning, I just wanna close in prayer. And if you could just bow your head this morning. God, I thank you that the assignment for our lives is not to be stressed out. It's not to live stressed. It's not just to live in the grind of day to day, but it's that we would find a rhythm of grace, Father God. And God, I pray today for a boldness, for anything that is out of order this morning, that we would surrender and we would submit that back to you, Jesus. That you would put back in order. God, I pray that our lives, our words, our choices, that they would reflect your priorities, your principles. That God, we put you first and we seek first your kingdom. God, that we don't chase what the world chases, but we say that we'd rather be a doorkeeper in your house as long as we're mission-minded and legacy-minded and we're moved and we're ruled by love. Father God, that's just the cry of our heart this morning. And maybe this morning you, if you're in the house or maybe online, you may find yourself this morning saying, you know what? I mean, I'm not even there yet. Maybe your top button, you haven't even made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. Seek first the kingdom. Okay. Step one. Maybe this morning you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. I'm going to give you just a few moments this morning. And if you say, you know what, that's me. Or maybe you have made Jesus, you prayed a prayer and you just felt like, you know what? I just haven't been living it for some time. I've put so many other things, made them priority in my life. It's like I can't even, the thought of getting the Bible out or just even talking to God, it just don't even sit well with me anymore. Maybe that's you. So this morning, I don't want you to leave from this moment without having the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So with all heads bowed and, and everyone's eyes closed this morning I'd like us just to pray a prayer together and if that is you and you're praying this prayer for the first time or maybe you're just rededicating your life this morning pray it with all your heart and heart, all your soul Heavenly Father I am a sinner and I am in need of a Savior 
this morning, I choose you and put you first in my life. You lay down your life for me, so I will gladly lay my life down for you. I invite you, Lord Jesus, into my heart, into my life, into my decision-making. Come and dwell within me. In Jesus' name, amen. With your head still bowed, I just wanna just take a moment and if you prayed that prayer either for the first time or maybe you prayed that prayer of just saying, you know what, I just wanna put Jesus first in my life again because he's kind of taken me up, he's been down some ranks. Would you just slip your hand up just as an affirmation to say, yes, I'm not ashamed, that was me this morning. I see you. I see you. Guess what? You know, all of heaven is rejoicing this morning because you made that decision. Come on. What my mom peered through the door all them years ago, guess what? You're the result of those prayers of what God could do in this room. Amen? So welcome to the family, amen? You're in good company. So if you prayed that prayer this morning, I encourage you to stop at Connections. We have some resources for you. If you prayed that prayer and you just are rededicating again, there's a resource to get it right this time. Amen. If you're online, we have resources online that you can connect with us. You feel good? You feel energized? You feel like, you know what, I'm going to make some top button changes in my life. Amen. Tired of looking all jacked up. (laughs) Come on. Step out of the house and look like that. Come on. that's, That's not right. Amen. Just stay in an attitude of worship as we close the service with one more song.